comedy can easily not have any point or have a point. Humor is like very, very emotional thing. I'm ultimately trying to entertain, um, but I do have a lot of like things I would prefer society to think. Uh, okay, that's a really interesting transition. If it's fun to say, then you should say it. Isn't it supposed to break down barriers? Isn't that kind of what humor is all about? What's up, guys? Today on Winning the Game of Life, we have uh, a unique guest. He's um, he's a professional poker player, but he's also a writer and a comedian living in London. He's British Chinese, and he's also got his own show on BBC, and he's absolutely killing it. Please welcome Ken Chang. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's exciting. I haven't really done a podcast based around poker before, so that's quite that's quite novel. Oh well, it can be kind of. It's not. It's partly based on poker, but it's it's based off of. Uh, I mean, poker's one theme. It's it's uh, yes, based off sure. of uh, winning the game of life, being successful, but also like extending success beyond. Um, right. Yes. Well, of course. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess uh, I'm, what I meant was one connected to the poker community. Um, most of my things I, I get involved in all comedy adjacent, and it's quite interesting to ha- to be in a different community for something. Um, so it sounds like you've done a lot of podcasts around comedy or what? Yeah, yeah. As a comedian, you kind of just agree to do podcasts here and there, like for other comedians, like which will usually have some sort of comedy gimmick and then you just kind of do it then it's quite fun because you're hanging out with comedians oh so like the comedians get together and they've got like a group supporting each other like not like a formal group but they're like that's like the um what's he say unofficial contract of sorts and you also like do something <laughs> fun with that and you like work into collaborate in collabor- collaborations that promote each other yeah that's about right yeah i think it's just a it's quite a big community in the uk of kind of comedians across like some are professional some are kind of like semi-professional that's not their main job but they get a bit of income and a lot just have their own podcast and it kind of you can obviously say no if anyone goes hey be on my podcast but i'm i'm quite chill about that happy to do random podcasts all right well we're happy to have you uh i know you went to the university of cambridge um kind of a big deal uh You dropped out to pursue uh, comedy, right? Or was it poker? Poker first, and then and then I transitioned into comedy after uh, after doing poker for a bit. Uh, okay, that's a really interesting transition. Uh, mm. I would have imagined that poker would be the like easier thing to make a lot of money at, and then, well, in a sense, if you're already winning, like money is more consistent, I would think. But I don't know how it works. Like maybe. It just seems to me like it'd be really hard to become a professional comedian. Um, yeah, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of graft um, and the things that you need to do. Uh, you have to work quite hard. You have to kind of do your own hustle. But yeah, it, I've always had poker to fall back on. So I've never been in that. That I've never been like, oh, should I quit my day job? Because my day job is poker. So I can always be like, well, I can always not do it or go back to it when I'm running low on funds. I guess uh, if you, uh, it's sort of, poker's like the job in between the day job. It's uh, not like the mm. real job. It's like, oh, we've got a backup plan to the, to the the, the real dream. <laughs> and there's like a, yeah. I guess if you quit poker, or you could 
then that's when you really have to get the real day job. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm kind of doing something similar. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, except I don't really have a plan. Uh, I, di- I don't like clearly want to become a pre- professional comedian. I've been trying to figure mm. out that. Um, but actually, you've intrigued me to comedy, reading a little bit about you and the kinds of things that you do. Uh, and um, yeah, and also it's been really entertaining. I watched a few of your videos, uh, one on oh, cool. uh, Chinese boyfriend uh, All right. <laughs> during uh, dating during the epidemic and... Uh, this two birds, one stone thing and oh, networking. Yeah, that, that, yep. Okay, you found you found them all, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting how... Well, it seems like you like... I'm trying to figure out what you're doing. I'm trying to figure out your game. Um, it seems like a lot of time, a lot of uh, what you do is you state like a lot of truths, but in a really funny way. Uh, and you make fun <laughs> of like a lot of the stupid things that happen, basically. And that seems like one of the patterns of comedy that's going on in your skits, and I think a lot of comedians do that to a degree, like some self-deprecation also. I mean, you're doing a million things at once. It's like... Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think some of that was uh, probably like things I've definitely been made part of my main style or, or, or just seem to land on for bits. Like, I think... You over time definitely I've tried different things though which is quite fun and you you can definitely experiment a lot in comedy because because the audiences ultimately just want to see whatever and you can okay. kind of just they don't really they don't follow you enough to be like oh that guy does that thing they you can actually just kind of roll with what you think is funny <laughs> ultimately oh okay um, yeah, it's not as uh, I I used to be quite mechanical when it came to writing comedy, but I think I've become less so now. And one of the big things I think the biggest motto I have when it comes to like writing new comedy is if it's fun to say, then you should say it. Which is this thing that I think almost almost always works in terms of how it correlates to how well a joke does because uh, I, I, I kind of practice by, I kind of come up with material by just talking to myself as if I was on stage for whatever thing I'm doing. And I just I just decide if something is fun to actually come out of your mouth, you can kind of imagine the audience going with it is basically the, the philosophy there. Okay, that seems like a pretty easy way uh, to deal with like a massive crowd, you know, uh, I would presume that would tend to be intimidating for most people, like going up and well, that's the whole thing about stand-up comedy is it just sounds really intimidating to get up and talk to a bunch of people, but you're saying like, oh, I don't really care. You could just say, it just sounds funny. Just say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I've done it for a long time now. And yeah, big crowds. Uh, the things I get nervous about are quite specific. I do occasionally get nervous, but if I've done the same bit of material a lot, then it's it's obviously like a tried and tested thing. And you're used to like, things going badly it's like it's like poker like they're down swings that there's yeah, times you swings. run bad yeah there's times where you're you're running bad or until like <laughs> there's there's things out of your control like the audience could just be bad like the, the setup of the gig could just be bad and you just have to go okay well there's not much i can do except just do make the best decisions do the best performance oh that is kind of funny it makes a lot of sense um, so, uh, well, let's, uh, 
Okay, well, actually, tell, tell us a little, how do you become a professional comedian? Like, what's, um, it sounds like you just do a lot of shows, but you also do, you have to work on your, do you have to go to a drama school or whatever? There's, there was, is, yeah, tell, tell um, me a bit. I don't really know anything. Yeah, drama school is quite a specific thing in the UK. It costs, like, quite, like, it costs the same as, like, a degree, and uh, it's for mainly actors, really. Comedians don't need to do it at all. Um, some have, but usually it's it's usually with actors they've gone to drama school and then realized that actually acting is way harder than the comedy they transition into comedy and do better in comedy uh despite having done all that because it's way more competitive in acting there are a lot of actors and with comedy you have your own brand you have you're an individual with your own brand and you kind of end up being your own kind of manager for a while until you get an agent in the uk which is like a manager basically and the agent once you have an agent your chance of like becoming a full professional are much higher they're not they're not 100% still but like an agent will sign you if they think you'll make them money therefore um therefore they're like they will try and get you a lot of things that will pay fees and stuff and uh it, it might not be concrete like an agent might decide oh actually this person is not worth it and drop you after a while but once you've got an agent uh they get you better gigs they get you more jobs on tv and radio and all that kind of thing and yeah they just kind of push you and once you've had an agent there is a a massive jump in legitimacy about you as a comedian you're no longer this open micer slogging it like doing like small gigs that no one's heard of you're now someone to for the industry as a whole to look out for oh okay uh i didn't know it worked like that so it's like the real goal the first goal is just get an agent just just get an agent to think you're good enough yeah yeah although nowadays it's it's not as concrete that as that even because loads of people just do their own thing online there's actually in only in the just past five years a lot of people have created their own online content and with patreon and stuff like that they actually don't they can bypass the agent thing entirely they can they don't need an agent at all so it is changing a lot already Hmm. Hmm. okay no idea but so how do you actually write your jokes do you just does do you just sit down with a piece of paper I, i understand there's like some kind of some parts of it are are kind of have a bit of a formula to it and then you have to have the right timing and uh, yeah yeah i think i used i used to definitely just sit down try and like write a lot of jokes uh now i'm I'm, i walk around my flat speaking out loud i i just i just say stuff out loud until eventually like i'll have an idea of what i want to talk about a topic and i'll just try and speak it and and I'll keep saying the same kind of idea until it becomes like a joke rather than just me saying a thing. Oh, okay, okay. I sort of understand. Maybe one day you just it just hits you that, that wait a second, this the saying two birds one stone. This does this is yeah. this is stupid. We just got to it's just time to make fun of this. So yeah. Yeah. Like that. yeah. That one I came up with like one joke, probably the last joke of it, and then kind of worked just kind of found other ways to tackle it. And I realized, oh, this is now a seven-minute set. Um, yeah, it really depends on what you're talking about. Like, a lot of uh, a lot of the same um, same philosophies in stand-up also, like, come out of improv. Uh, I think how people come up with improv ideas on, 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 the, on stage mm. and during an really? improv show, you could apply to stand-up completely. 
um yeah. because stand-up's quite loose and it it's meant to feel sort of like improv it's weird stand-up because some people do believe you're just making up on the spot every time which <laughs> is bizarre but it kind of all semi pretends to be that and most people just kind of accept it semi pretends to be that sort of it's kind of i guess it's like slightly there's like little points that are a little bit scripted but then it kind of yeah. kind of flows between those points a lot of yeah, things actually yeah. work like that um, mm. really random comparison I'm thinking of is time. I don't know if uh, that makes any sense to you. <laughs> time. Yeah. No, allegedly time works like that. Certain events in time appear to be inevitable in history. Uh, but I, yeah, uh, I read decent amounts. So uh, that just appears <laughs> to be the case. Um, right. I, I've done a little bit of improv. Um, yes. I actually found it to be to help a lot with comedy skills and things like that. Yeah, um, I would I would do quite a bit more um, at some point. I probably will. Oh, that's interesting. That stand up is similar to improv, and I know watching your shows, it felt like the what you were saying really flowed a lot, and the delivery was very good. I was impressed. Thanks. 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 Um, yeah, I think before I think my biggest uh, tip to a lot of new comedians is don't do what I did when I started out, which is write it all down on a piece of paper and then try huh. to kind of memorize it by reading off the paper and then kind of doing that process because huh. then all your jokes were funny on paper, really. They were funny, they were funnier on paper and then you had to kind of, and they lose something when you say them. So it's better now what I do is I just say it and then I commit to a paper once I have the delivery, everything um, I might record it on a voice note instead. Uh, I might I might actually just try out on stage completely fresh with that with kind of an idea of what I speak about and not not write it down before that and then I'll voice note it. I'll, I record all my shows audio on audio so and then I'll listen back and be like, okay, that sounds good. So oh, because okay. it's a spoken it's a spoken medium. It's not it's not a written medium. So like this idea of like writing it on a Google Doc or whatever or a, a notepad is like it loses a lot if that's where the joke starts. Oh, okay. Okay, that's that's pretty interesting. Um do you do public speaking as well? Uh not really. Um in terms of like debating and like kind of speak yeah, what No, I, we don't really have that public speaking culture in the, in the UK as much. Uh, oh, okay. I um I've done a little bit of it. I found that uh, I found that when public speaking, it almost helped to get it like pretty close to whatever it was on paper, and just to like yeah. Uh, at least that was for me, but maybe it's because I I've just started. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's a little bit different in that like you're not trying to make jokes usually or too many jokes. Yeah. I mean, there's there's yeah. some jokes, but. Uh, yeah, I uh, I found I would like forget things a lot around the spot, but maybe I just like need to get over that nervousness while being in front of a ton of people. I think I think that was the thing I struggled most with uh, was remembering my set when I started out, uh, especially if you wrote it down at w one stage and you were kind of trying to read it into your memory, and then you and then it gets yeah. That's that's another good thing about if you don't if you never write it down actually your memory improves because it's something that you kind of drilled into your your mind in a different way i think hmm. uh, okay that, there's that thing about how before people wrote stuff down people were able to do like oral histories of up to like ten thousand words and just memorize them because 
yeah, something like that. Before writing existed, people would remember these really long histories and stories, which were like, which would have been like a thousand pages long in writing, and they were just able to commit that to memory. And because we started writing things down, people stopped doing that. Huh. I had no idea. Okay. It <laughs> sounds yeah. like a nightmare, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how they like. That's how yeah. That's how they did all stories before before any writing. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so um, I want to know, uh, what was there like a specific turning point when you got like your agent? Did uh, oh yes, yeah. What was that? Yeah, I did the competition. There are a lot of competitions in the UK, which are new act competitions. So like for people who are who who have been going for between like one and five years and haven't become like. Uh, successful enough to be to be kind of well known or on tv and stuff and these new act competitions like there are a few of them out there every year and they'll start they'll they're, they're like a a um they're like a tournament basically no they're, they're like a what do you call it um a shootout they're like shootouts basically where it's like 10 people in a heat and then one of those will go on to the semi-final and then there'll be like six people in the semi-final and a few of those will go on to the final and one person will win in the final and that person will be the winner but everyone in the final will probably get quite a lot of attention because being in the final having whittled it down from like 100 100 entrants or whatever is pretty impressive and I did one called the BBC New Comedy Award which is an official BBC run one which I would say is probably the most prestigious one because it's run by the BBC the rest are run kind of by in independent companies who are just like yeah. there to run these competitions but the bbc one that allows you to be go, that you're set yeah so you do like five to seven minutes that's actually where the two birds one stone video you saw probably what was from was um my bbc final back in 2015 so i got to the final of that and from there agents will be at those finals so they'll be looking for acts to sign and yeah it's really good for agents to like just go okay that person has a lot of potential let's get them on our books for the future and yeah my agent found me then signed me and also I got my radio series off the back of that as well because I met a lot of producers who were like oh we want to work with you let's pitch a radio series to Radio 4 and so yeah a lot of good things come out of these competitions especially that one because it's the most prestigious one Hmm. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know there were like comedy uh, competitions. I didn't know there was. Yeah. Is there some? Yeah. Uh, it sounds. It reminds me a little bit of like uh, like battle rap or something. I don't know. Yeah, if there's yeah, a yeah. Battle rap competition. I think I've seen no, it. Actually, we don't. Like it. Oh, well, we have, we might have a few. Yeah, here here. I've not. I don't know that much about them, but yeah. And the thing about the UK is much smaller than the US. So actually, these competitions, the the distance from like where like starting out to being on tv is much shorter here because they're just it's just a smaller pool of comedians and um yeah it's just it's just a smaller distance oh that's that's good to know um it does make quite a bit of sense i mean it sounds like you're like globally famous now from my understanding I would I would say I was globally famous i think i think that 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 might be a perception of of it but actually if you go through like if i'm walking around in the streets no one no one would recognize me like people won't stop me to recognize me i've got i've had i've done cool things online and and on tv but like in general people still don't really know who i am you mean in the uk they won't stop you no 
no. I have a lot of friends who are comedians who have just got to that level where where if I'm walking with them, someone will stop us and be like, oh, it's that guy. And they'll, they'll want their autograph or a picture. And yeah. So I'm actually not that far from there, but still I'm not there yet. Um, I actually have a funny story about that. I've gotten stopped on the yeah. street a couple of times, yeah. but it's not super common. Uh, yeah. I had a guy during um, COVID. He would like, oh. no joke. He, I can't make this up, but he like was, he saw me and he was like running towards me like a, a normal person and I was trying to like tell him okay just take my Instagram or something and he like wouldn't let me leave um wow. he reminded me I was like kind of freaked out by this guy I was like in the middle <laughs> of London and St. James Park uh around St. James Park um, oh, I was living in fun. London during lockdown uh so yeah, I thought maybe he was on drugs or something. I would have thought that there were all sorts of guys, maybe girls, uh, stalking you. Well, I don't know about stalking. I don't know what they do to the uh, Chinese comedians in um, in UK. Maybe you have uh, some stalkers, or in uh, if you went to China, perhaps, or I don't know. Yeah, I've had, I haven't had any harmful stalkers yet. I've had people who have been like, "Oh, okay, that message was weird." On on Insta or whatever, but no one, no one harmful. Uh, okay, okay. I don't think I've gotten too many weird, weird messages. I've gotten some. Uh, yeah, I think with comedians, it kind of opens up this idea because you're doing comedy, which is quite conversational. People kind of assume they can, they have a a relationship with you if they've seen your work and they can just interact with you. Like a lot of people want to add to your joke or whatever online and yeah i think there's something about comedy where people feel like they really know the person probably because what i do as comedy and what other comedians do is quite personal and it's like oh okay we know each other now is what the audience sometimes end up thinking okay i can i can see how that makes sense i mean humor is like very it's a very emotional thing it can Mm, yeah isn't it supposed to break down barriers isn't that kind of what humor is all about Breaks down yeah, social barriers and it does. You can talk about all sorts of. Uh, that's partly what interested me in it. Actually, is that yeah, it's uh, a good at. Um, it's a very effective uh, means of social change, and like everyone can relate to it. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, it. I don't know if it's. It looks like it's part of your goals to um, create some social change. Like you talk a lot about. Um, or you put something, you put some issues of racism in your uh, work. Yeah. You talk yeah. a bit about. Um, well, I saw your uh, online dating one. I don't know if you were like, were you trying to mock it or trying to bring awareness to something, or just making fun of something that was ridiculous? Uh, same with networking, think, really. Yeah, I think a little of both. Um, it's a it's a fine balance because you don't want to be like purely message right you don't want to be purely i want social change his his <laughs> i th- i'm ultimately trying to entertain um but i do have a lot of like things i would prefer society to think but i don't make it a major part of uh how i write but i did at one point try to write like I did set as a challenge to write shows about these kind of harder topics and see if I can also do them in a still funny way. Um, I do think comedy can easily not have any point 
or have a point. I'm not one, I'm not one way or the other. I'm not one of these purists who go like, oh, it's, it just has to be purely funny. And I'm not one of these purists who thinks, oh, something that's purely funny has no no worth. But yeah, I think either either way, I'm kind of kind of fine with that and I kind of float between the two I wanted the networking one was a bit more silly but I did make fun of like kind of corporate corporate values I guess and what how people behave in LinkedIn and corporate sphere and I do find that I do find those people really worth like taking down in general but also I just I just (laughs) find that stuff funny I just find that stuff funny um well I happen to agree a bit with what you're saying I actually um I remember you were making fun of like the whole like pick the person with the rich and powerful parents. I actually, uh, I actually would not pick that person. I've decided. I thought like maybe mm, this yeah. it would make sense to network with this person, but I like. Yeah. I find when I do when I try, I can't even like do it very well. No. Um, it's not really. <laughs> no. It doesn't lead to many interest. Like I don't know how to explain. Uh, I I just find like it's hard to connect with these kinds of people. First of all, and then yeah. I found that um, like even if you have even if like you're in touch with people that have, you know, a lot of money or whatever, like they still have to, uh, there's all, all kinds of problems that happen. If like, like it's not, it's not like the money, they're just going to use the money to help you. Let's put it that yeah. way. And, yeah. And, and, and you have to align incentives somehow. And like, that doesn't really happen. Yes. There's no real connection. Is yes, that is, totally, that's my, uh, experience. <laughs> um, is there a lot, do you do a lot of networking and have like, in all the things that you do is do you do you do you find yourself networking or did you never really bother <laughs> uh, i've tried it in a lot of ways actually i have um some some hilarious stories of sorts uh, i i'm a bit i make quite some careless mistakes and the positive side of that is that it makes it makes me do really funny things on occasion um <laughs> an accident uh yeah. Like once I held this uh, this influencer's like purse on the right red carpet, and they that that was my picture on like the red carpet. <laughs> I was trying to meet people with this like kind of famous influencer. Uh, I mean, that whole game seemed really ridiculous to me, and then I ended up getting screwed over in some weird way. Oh wow! <laughs> um, but what I happened? Like, How did you get screwed over? Well. Um, uh, and this is kind of part of my whole learning experience with that was that basically that person reneged on their deal with me. They promised to do oh. all these deliver these things, and you know, like one was to get me to collaborate with this guy who was kind of like the James Bond, uh, the influencer <laughs> scene. I forget what his name, <laughs> was. Um, but yeah. his his stuff looks amazing. Um, that didn't happen. She was supposed to get the blue tick for Instagram. That didn't happen either. She's supposed to like. Help me network another event that didn't happen. Right, she actually, yeah. actually, you know what happened was she she's supposed to raise money for my charity, and then she starts her own charity, <laughs> and then she tries to get me to donate to that. And I'm like, wait, I paid you to raise money for my charity, <laughs> and then she's like, oh, why am I even doing this anymore? Uh, our our terms over. And I'm like, what? Wow. Like, yeah. And then basically, wow. she stole from me. Um, so there's wow. that. Too. <laughs> okay. It was like not the best Jeez. experience, and she no. was. Yeah, I've actually had really weird experiences with people who are who seem like they're really famous or or have money. It's been really polarizing. They're either like, in my experience, really nice or really uh, not nice. Right? Yeah. 
I guess that's yeah, that's the kind of risk if you if you adopt that kind of value of like okay I'm I'm using I'm this person will help me and they're obviously thinking the same if they're that kind of person you hmm? kind of enter that world you kind of enter that world where everyone is individualist right and that yeah that can can go pretty badly uh well if they are all individualist I mean I personally just basically decided okay well I need to find the people that whose values yeah actually align it has to yeah, start exactly. there it's kind of like friendship if the friendship's yeah. real uh, yeah then it's then it's okay uh, yeah, i think that's the attitude i took in comedy is like don't try and be friends with anyone you wouldn't just be friends with like don't try and network in a way that goes against your normal instincts of who is just a friend who like will end up helping you out and you'll help them out but you, sh- you don't need to make that the priority because you just become friends with people and everything that happens, it just happens. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much on your your page of things. I mean, you can, like, hire people for specific reasons or something, but... Uh, right, yeah. Uh, that kind of thing. It's a little a little tricky. So have you had uh, a lot of experience networking? Oh, yeah, you went to that event. I know that. Uh, what's your experience been like? Do you have any funny stories? Uh... Not really. I'm not much of a networker in general. I don't really. Uh... Yeah. So my 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 motto is just make friends with people and never make it about some kind of ulterior motive or like something that you really want. Um, I know people who are who are like it's really cringe when there's someone who is clearly just trying to talk to you because you have some status and they don't really want to be friends with you they just want to kind of be seen talking to you or or want to have that that kind of <laughs> connection yeah it's it's very odd because yeah i'm at the level where there are people who who i meet people like that and they'll be like oh i i, I you're just trying to to network and it's just cringe to see that and i never want to be on that side yeah it's not the best look ultimately there's like some people kind yeah. of pull it off. I, I yeah, exactly. This lady pulled it off. She pulled it off yeah. for sure. Like it was so obvious what she was doing. It's so obvious what some other people are doing. Um, and it sort of works yeah. for them actually. That's the funny thing. Yeah. That's charm. what I find. Charm is such a resource. Yeah, I guess it. I guess you could call it that or whatever it is. It's like um, <laughs> almost inspiring in a way, just because it's like, oh, you don't have to be. Um, it's just like. It's inspiring in the sense that um, I don't believe in it, but just that, yeah. like, it just shows that so much perseverance, even when, like, there are yeah. forces against you, can actually, like, work in various ways. Like, oh, there's even people who, I mean, I'd prefer it not to be this way. I still think these people will eventually crash, is my personal thoughts. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's what I always tell myself, to sleep yeah. better at night. <laughs> these people will crash <laughs> um oh speaking of which are you uh following the latest scandal with this rob robbie J. Oh, oh yeah i am yeah but it i mean it's such a headache following it especially now that especially after people talk who who are not into poker talk about it on social media i'm just like this is really mind-numbing <laughs> Oh, okay. So you're not interested in it anymore. You're just, uh, you're just, huh? I, vague, vaguely. I do actually want to see what happens, but at this point, there's so much, like, there's so many opinions on it. I have no idea anymore. Okay. I think there's an outrageously high chance that she's cheating. And it just looks to me mm. like this is one of these situations where, 
Yeah. My personal suspicion is that this uh, lady, I mean, she actually seems like a nice lady. If you look on her Instagram, mm-hmm. she seems like a nice person. Yeah. Um, yeah. She like really, it's clear that she doesn't care too much about stating the truth. I mean, that's yeah. that much is clear. And, you know, that's like one of those things, in my opinion, that like falls like a house of cards. Uh, <laughs> right. But anyway. Um, yeah, no, there- this is interesting. Yeah, interesting thing to have happened either way. No matter what, it's just a, such a weird thing to see like on stream and be like, wow, that, that happened. Uh, no kidding. It's like getting crazier and crazier. Um, uh, I'm, I'm into it. Uh, yeah, I realized a few things, but it will be very interesting to see. I mean, I think there's just like no way there's not something going on here, but who knows? Who knows? Is it quite, um, what are the opo- opinions among like people, you know, very polar because it feels like among the poker community, it's very polarized and, uh, yeah, I don't really have that many friends who are that into poker. I have a few who are a bit into poker, but knowing like people in the like who play a lot and are very invested in this, uh, it seems like everyone's mostly on the side of cheating. What I don't understand yeah, yeah. is there's a lot of people who are saying like eighty percent or so, but she's done some like incredibly damning things, such as say she doesn't know this person with a hundred followers and they're both following each other and they had dinner oh, yeah. the previous day and he's like <laughs> in the pre- perfect position to like see the whole cards and right uh, yeah and like somehow this okay. guy stole money off her stack like just just a bunch that, of crazy that was things. weird this that whole thing is so weird <laughs> she he just came I, in and stole money off her stack <laughs> yeah um uh so are you involved much in the poker world i remember, i know that there was a um you said in one of your stand-up comedies that you lost a hundred thousand dollars in one day. I mean, yeah, about, I used to play much higher stakes than I do now. Yeah, I I don't play anywhere near as high stakes as I used to. Um, that's the most I've lost in the day, uh, because I used to play. Yes, I'm not really involved in the poker world as such. I still play. Um, yeah, I play. I. I I used to play high stakes triple draw, and that's where I lost the hundred k. Yeah, I would have never guessed. I didn't know you were a triple yeah. draw player. I I love triple draw. I used to play. Yeah, I used to play as high as. I, I just kept running up. I was up like five hundred k in triple draw in like a few months, and then oh, lost right. quite a lot of it back. But that was that was when I was. That was like ten years ago. Now that was, yeah, that was crazy. I don't see that kind of money anymore these days. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I imagined No Limit Hold'em. Uh, oh, I, hate, I, I hate Hold'em. <laughs> I hate, absolutely hate it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I think, like a few years into when I was after I quit uni, I started learning all the games, and I love all the games, um, all the mixed games, and hmm. I mainly play five card plow six card plow and triple draw at the moment and and just normal plow oh okay it sounds like you like a lot of like where there's a lot of cards is that what you like about it or (laughs) yeah yeah there's not enough cards in hold'em you just don't make anything i hate not making anything it's so boring (laughs) oh that's a fair point yeah 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 it can be boring as shit i i um i just try to think of all the ways to bluff is what i do i just like Ah, how do i win this pot uh okay yeah. well i could overbet the river <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna double float i'm gonna check raise double fo- whatever 
double float and shove the river <laughs> to a bet. That kind of vibe. I used to I used to play like that when I played Hold'em. It did not work. <laughs> if you do it every once in a while, it can be good. Yeah, you do. The right spots. Yeah. yeah. Um, when it when it p- pulls off, oh yeah, that feels great. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've tried the check raise double float, but I tried some like, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I was just making shit up, but yeah. I used to double float a lot in in heads up plow. I used to double float like all the time, <laughs> and shove river. <laughs> you mean when they checked you, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes, uh, t- sometimes over shove. You know, I watch that. What is the hand between Tom Dwan and who is it? Um, Mar- Marcello, is it? Do you remember the hand when they played like high? Is it the what was the what was the like the der challenge on the video one? Well, I can't remember what the show was, but he played like he played um, four different people. For, that was like, one of them. And oh no no no, no not not the online. Excuse me. Yeah yeah, this was a TV show called. This was not the the famous <laughs> you and uh, it was a different. It was like a live show, and it was like he played like five hundred hands versus each of these people, and one of them is like the guy double floated with king nine high. On just kind of, and then shoved the river for like shoved like a hundred k. It was only twenty k more on an eighty k bet on the river. Tom Dwan has king queen high and just mucks it, and <laughs> and he just shows. And I was like, what the? F-? Because if Tom had, Tom had just shoved the river, it would have got through obviously because he can't he can't call it. But he shoves like twenty k more in a four hundred k pot, and it just gets through. <laughs> <laughs> after double floating to like pot bets and I was like I used to try and do shit like that <laughs> <laughs> it can be good against like the right opponent there's yeah, a, there's a couple yeah. people that y- you just have to find the right person kind of uh, yeah. or know that they're gonna like give up a lot on the river or whatever yeah it's yeah exactly spots. and yeah no sometimes it pulls off and you're like okay I judged that one <laughs> well it's, it's really so funny when it works it's uh yeah it's exciting when that kind of stuff works. I haven't, uh, yeah. I get, I don't try it as much as I feel like there's that the fine line between doing it like 25% of the time and doing it like, <laughs> uh, like five to 10% of the time. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy plays. Um, it's a little bit tough to, to manage exactly. Uh, yeah. but if actually, if you do like some really crazy plays every once in a while, it works really well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And sometimes you just know that, they have air as well. <laughs> That's the thing. Sometimes you just you just have you just find an inconsistency in what they do. Like, okay, they're just never playing the nuts this way. And you're just like, okay, I could shove for like ten percent more pot and get the get a fold. <laughs> have you been able to do that much? In plowing, like sometimes, yeah. In plowing, like some people are so I'm only playing like uh, fifty cent a dollar, one cent, well, one dollar, two dollar these days, and like in he- heads up, people will just like expose their kind of like they either have they only play the nuts this way, they only have X if they do this, and sometimes you'll be like, okay, do they just have air here because they never would have checked the nuts in that way or something like. So occasionally you do just go, okay, I'm I'm shipping here because because they just can't have it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking maybe you you are good at reading people at poker because uh, you have to read the crowd a little bit to see if they're like mm. enjoying your jokes. I would presume there's some kind of crossover yeah. there. 
Yeah, definitely. I, both are both are ultimately you do have to spend a lot of time thinking how other people think and how other what hmm. other people yeah and and figure that out like that. I think that's a big crossover. And I play a lot of uh, social deduction games. I don't know if you if you play many of those like um like oh, um, games where people lie basically. Uh, like what? I there's one game that I'm thinking of called Wolf, but I know it looks Werewolf, like you're playing. Yeah. Uh, you played some other stuff. I don't really know. Um, I no played roles. one called Blood on the Blood on the Clock. Yeah, with No Roads Bard, which is a YouTube channel. They play a game called Blood on the Clock Tower, which is basically werewolf mafia. You know, among us, all those kind of games, but oh. better. Oh, better. It's, be- it's better. It's better. Really? Yeah, it's so good. It's such a good game. Yeah, I think I think poker players will really enjoy. It. I think yeah, poker players should. I'd love to introduce poker players to this game. It's so good. Maybe, uh, maybe you should. Uh, I'm tempted to pitch it to them myself because they loved Werewolf. I thought Werewolf was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, werewolf, yeah, werewolf, werewolf is great. And then Blood on the Clock Tower is basically advanced Werewolf, where they kind of fixed the problems of Werewolf mostly. Hmm. Okay. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know there was like content for these kinds of things, for these kinds of games. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a big community of people who watch this kind of thing. And actually, funnily, we were talking about getting recognized. The two times I've been recognized in the street, like recently, in the last two weeks, is not for comedy, but for being on No Rose Bard, the YouTube channel, no which is so weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a it's it's such a specific. I guess it's such a specific community of people who watch these things, and they get really into the content they watch. They're willing to spend a lot on on like donating to these like patrons and kickstarters and stuff they're really into it and yeah so yeah someone just stopped me in the street and go and just started shouting no rose bard at me and i was like well, okay i'm and i was at a comedy festival as well and i had not been recognized by anyone for comedy <laughs> i've only been recognized for no rose bard that's so funny uh-huh. yeah okay yeah i had no idea i guess you just never know like what's out there um, yeah. so, uh, are you like a top no rules barred player? Are you really, when you play, are you really, do you make like a comp, make like confident and aggressive moves or I don't, I don't know how it works. <laughs> uh, I'm not that good at the game actually. Um, uh, yeah, so the game's called blood on the clock tower and, uh, I'm, I'm not that oh, good at it. I, yeah, no rules barred is a YouTube channel. Don't, don't worry. Um, oh, blood okay. on the clock tower. Yeah. I'm all right at it. I'm probably better. I'm really not good at being evil in these games where the, where you have to like deceive and, uh, kind of, yeah, just lie constantly. I'm not. I'm not very good at being evil. I think it's really hard to be evil, and some people are amazing at it, and I just can't. I can't do it. It's like basically, imagine even like you have a bad hand for two hours, <laughs> and you have to constantly bluff it <laughs> repeatedly. It's basically it that. Like, it doesn't sound like a great situation to just like have no. to lie over and over and over. Yeah, it's it is it is quite a cool game though because there are ways to that make it easier for evil players uh, compared to other games. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite a cool game actually. Being evil once you're once you've done it enough, I think there are tricks that you can pull. And yeah, it's 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 interesting. Certainly, it's interesting. Wait, are you saying you know the evil tricks, but you're just not very good at being evil? Yeah, I socially, I guess like a lot of being evil is to try and both produce a world that a convincing world to the good players that makes sense so you have to really like just know the game quite well enough to to kind of be able to do that on the fly but also socially behave 
that way. And I'm I probably the social part is is one which I just never feel quite like I'm doing it like I'm playing exactly how I would play if I was good. It's really hard to balance. It's basically it's really hard to balance like and play exactly how you would play if you were good. Right. Well, it sounds like it sounds like uh, I don't know. It sounds like these evil these evil players are a little bit suspicious. Uh, though I don't know how it works. I don't know if they're players who are really good at being evil, but also um, just good people as well. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Some people are amazing either way. Like there's some players I've played against who are just unreadable and they just know the game so well that either way it's really hard to figure out through okay. mechanical information or social reads to be like that is yeah they're just like really good at it <laughs> um but do you have to be evil to be really good at this game or that's just like a number of people are really good and they're they're like pure evil it um, feels like well, well there's a 30% chance that you get given an evil you're on the evil team at the beginning of each game so you ideally you'd oh. be good both be both good at being good so yeah your alignment so the good team and the evil team are, are set at the start so oh like ha- yeah i don't know if you played among us um or anything like that where no. you, yeah so yeah it's like 10 yeah it's like werewolf where two or three people are given evil at the start and they just have to fool everyone yeah Okay, okay. And survive, survive, survive execution basically. Like the town, like in Werewolf, the town will vote for executions, and your your job is to try and survive execution, and and that will re- that will mean that you're trying to pin it onto other good players instead. And for good, for good, it's it, it's interesting. But for good, it's like basically you're doing like a team logic puzzle to try and work out what's going on. But there are three people who are trying to mess with that logic puzzle by throwing in like different logic puzzle information basically oh okay okay i think i understand okay that does sound like fun well hopefully i get a chance to play it uh i'll pitch it if i'm in the the situation where they're suggesting wolf we'll see if this this game catches up catches uh sick yeah so tell me okay so tell me more about um uh, like how it sounds like you're you're fairly how do I say you're fairly passionate about um, making some sort of social impact as well. You're you're not doing like one hundred percent one or the one hundred percent one hundred percent the other. It doesn't seem like it's super feasible to do it that way. Also, just because yeah, I mean, I would think I would think things that are pure entertainment and neutral also help raise awareness for yeah these other things that you know they've got the social the hidden social message or that sort of thing yeah um, for sure but it sounds like uh you're not like super like it's not like get, correct me if i'm wrong um it sounds like you're you you like to bring some awareness to things like racism racism and stuff but you don't make it like a super central point is that true yeah yeah i think so and definitely not now i kind of i did one show which was purely about racism so and oh. I thought, you know what, okay. this was this is that was quite an interesting kind of kind of mini challenge, I guess, to be like, I'm doing a whole hour show based around racism, and how could I explore it in ways that are not not like super dull as well, <laughs> like. And uh, since then, I've I want to get go away from that. Actually, I found I found it quite tough because ultimately, like, there'll be audiences who are really on board with what you're doing, and there are lots of audiences who are like, oh, I, we we don't have the same values or we just aren't interested in this. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, very pol- diplomatic, <laughs> especially when you gig around the country in the UK. Um, you get you you reach completely different um, political views and just different. But it's also not even political views necessarily. It's just what they know about and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, like like I I did shows about racism in places which are like ninety eight percent white British, and it's just a very different vibe to doing it in a city which is like more diverse like london and uh people kind of have have just see seeing like diversity more on the street and it's just yeah just completely different vibe and it's not like all these people in those audiences were racist but they just they just were not engaging it in the same way oh okay yeah i would think it would be pretty bold to do it in a 98 percent white one but i don't know i don't know so um yeah yeah, I mean, I didn't have any other material at the time that I was doing, so I was just like, okay, we're going to see how this goes. And yeah, <laughs> you know, I realize it's it's not it, it will, this kind of material will only play to a certain age demographic, a city demographic. You know, it's like yeah, so which is do, fine, I think. Um, go ahead. No, no, you got yeah. My question was: Do you kind of like? Do you see a demographic and do you like decide, okay, I think these kinds of jokes will sort of land with this demographic? Kind of like in poker where you think, okay, this yeah. this guy looks yeah. like he's not going to make too many moves. I mean, yeah. they like bluff him a lot. Or- yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exploitative play. Yeah, I, I play purely exploitative play. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yes, I think so. But um, yeah, generally, yeah, I will have a good gauge of what will go down well. It doesn't necessarily mean I don't do it. I kind of just, I just kind of just still do it anyway and be like, yep, yeah, that was obviously not going to go well. <laughs> oh, okay. So it sounds more like something that, it's hard to master exactly how that... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd have to kind of have more material that I've rehearsed and been doing recently for me to change that much like I mean uh, to adapt that much because ultimately I I can't be bothered to like remember so many different sets of material and just be like I'm gonna bring that one out I I, I just do I just kind of rock up to a gig with with most of whiles knowing most of what I'll say and if if it doesn't go well I kind of just will disrespect the audience instead <laughs> I just I just be like well that audience was never gonna like it oh okay okay I, I mean, I'm you're... I'm not one. I don't really want to be a gigging comedian, which is a thing that, I, which is comedians. Uh, I don't want to be one who makes most of my money and spends a lot of my time gigging, which a lot of comedians do want to do that. But actually, I find it a very antisocial lifestyle. So I'm generally trying to do more writing work, TV work, radio work, all that kind of stuff, and and have like more work in the day, and not give up several evenings a week to gigging in these kind of places and i know a lot of comedians they make that their bread and butter but i'm i'm definitely not aiming for that oh okay because you want to have your uh your evenings free to yeah 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 to see friends yeah it's like to make money from just purely gigging you have to give up both your friday and saturday nights like most weekends most most weekends and if that become yeah some comedians that's their only real way of doing it because they don't have as much uh tv and radio work and also other other bits of random work that you can get the great thing about comedy is you can transition into so many different uh creative spheres people really respect comedians in this country in this industry like in terms of like 
producers of TV shows, they really respect comedians to be able to write for other genres like drama and stuff. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of comedians will just will just be able to like, um, yeah, transition into other other spheres like that quite easily. Oh, I had no idea. I mean, that that does make yeah. sense. Um, yeah, it, I can I see pre- all that. Huh? I I presented a kids TV show a couple years ago as well, and that that was just off the back of being a comedian like i i i'd never done kids presenting but they were like okay well i've been on stage before i've been on tv before and stuff so they're like yeah he could probably do it like ultimately comedians have done a lot of performing and they respect that so I, yeah i just pre- presented a kids tv show it's the one where you uh you teach kids about science yeah. right yeah so i th- yeah they just auditioned me for that and i i got it and yeah and th- they just gave me scripts i just read them and yeah <laughs> It was quite fun to do. Um, is there like a specific reason why you did that one, or you just it just seemed like a good opportunity, or did you did you want to help the kids, or? Uh, no specific reason. I'd probably say yes to most things like that because they are reasonably well paid. It's like ten days work for ten grand. It's like it's like decent, like for, for in, in terms of like a day rate, you get paid a thousand pounds a day, like. It, it's not much work yeah. and yeah you don't really get opportunities like, like that come up all the time oh, it's okay. rare it's rare it's rare i'm not at a level where like i'll get loads of offers similar to that oh okay um i thought it was cute i uh i thought thanks <laughs> yeah i personally believe that one of the w- biggest ways to to create impact is by teaching kids in some kind of way there's there's mm. more to that but uh it was cute yeah. um kind of random i've seen yeah. i've seen you been on a ton of shows You've been on oh, a. Yeah. Uh, you had your own episode on uh, Doctor Who Redacted. I don't know many of these shows. Um, oh, that's yeah. So that's just a Doctor Who audio series, like a yeah. Again, that that's comedy drama, and I I've never written for Doctor Who. I've never written comedy drama actually before I did that, and they were just like, yeah, okay, we think you're a good writer. Come write an episode of this. All right, and so uh, has writing been that easy of a transition for you from comedy or yeah i love i i find it i find writing scripts did stuff quite natural i've i watched a lot of tv growing up i watched a lot of like drama and comedy all sorts like so i find mm. it quite natural to write scripts i think i think mm. yeah i can kind of imagine the scenes and dialogue a lot who would have thought it's, i would have just thought like Writing scripts for TV would be one of these things you just have to work really hard for. You're like, oh, you know. I what? think you That's do, cool. but cool. I guess writing scripts for drama was no problem. Who would have thought? Yeah, it's actually not too hard at all. I yeah, quite fun, quite fun. You're basically like, have you ever watched a TV show and kind of like, Im- kind of might imagine scenes of it in your head? It's kind of like that. I don't know well, if you've ever done that. I I think I know what you mean. Like in my mind. It turns out that all the that every there's only I believe sixteen to I forget there's a book that that goes into all the different routes that a um a movie or whatever oh, can, the emotional yeah. routes that they can have right so yeah. uh, a lot of them do follow the same format so perhaps that's what you're alluding to and you can like foresee roughly what the emotional uh, journey will look like on the whole. Right. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Well, that was my guess at what you were talking about. I'm not exactly a drama <laughs> writer. I'm just not like kind of trying to figure these things out. Yeah. Um. Did poker? How did poker uh, prepare you for comedy and for doing all these things? I can think. Of, yeah, I'll let you talk. Actually, I think it's actually. Yeah, I've wrote an article about this ages ago. Actually, I think there is a lot of crossover because it is quite individual. It's quite an individual thing to do. Like you're purely on your own with both poker and comedy for at least large parts of it, and um, you kind of have to be your own boss, make your own decisions, kind of figure out a lot of things by yourself. You have to teach yourself as well. There are not many mentors in comedy. Uh, there are a few here and there, and people definitely get mentors like loosely or formally. But yeah, you, you just kind of have to approach it from a kind of, yeah, the same, the same kind of, I think it helped a lot having taught, kind of like self-taught poker, um, and kind of being my own boss at poker and just kind of decided what my game plan was and stuff like that to kind of go into comedy and go okay how do I how do I approach this what is my plan what's what's the goal and stuff like that so I think that definitely helped a lot it's it's like yeah they're very similar in terms of how much risk there is as well like mm. in terms of uh, like of like risk in the short term where you're on stage you could bomb you could bomb like you could you could completely bomb there could be silence for 10 minutes you that 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 element i think i was quite i think having done poker i was like i know what loss feels like i know what it's like to be like oh i've 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 just i've just lost today i think that helped a lot to be like okay well i just i just bombed today my my gig just went poorly but ultimately there's going to be more gigs. There's going to be more gigs. And ultimately, I just... What, did that, what does that mean? For 10 minutes, I was unfunny and people didn't like me. Yeah, okay, fine. That's that's like saying, oh, okay, well, I lost a few buy-ins that, that session. It's like the same The same mentality goes, goes for both those things. I think a lot of comedians are not used to that kind of variance and that kind of like loss. They're still very loss-averse in that way. Hmm. It's interesting. Uh, so it sounds like because you know what pain feels like, it gives you an edge. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so, yeah. You just kind of know what... Yeah, I think some people get really distraught after a bad gig, and they're just like, I'm oh. quitting comedy forever, especially oh. when starting out. And I've, I've definitely felt that when I was starting out. I was like, it's like that thing in poker where it's like losing feels 2.5 times worse than winning. The same is in comedy, like, bombing doing a bad gig just feels horrible uh, oh okay i uh i can kind of imagine that i've done you know i've embarrassed myself a couple times i'm yeah maybe it qualifies uh oh yeah i had a question oh yeah yeah so but i imagine that this is the success for comedy you have to be a much higher percent then you do have to be in poker because in poker you you know if you can beat like two four a four hundred dollar buy-in or five hundred dollar buy-in or um thousand dollar buy-in you can make pretty good money um especially online you can make like two hundred fifty thousand a year or something yeah. uh, but i think that you can't really make good money in comedy unless you're like the top what like three percent or something or how does that work less less i'd say probably top top point something percent probably i think yeah i don't make that much from comedy um like yeah it's ultimately you do have to be quite big to make like really 
that those kind of numbers. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's the part that's the that's one of the things that's good about poker is that uh Yeah. Um well yeah. You don't have to be you know, the top I mean, to beat five ten online, you actually have to be pretty pretty damn good. At I this mean, point, you, yeah. At this stage, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean even back in the day you'd only it yeah. would be like something like I mean, it'd be that might be top one percent to be honest. Uh, it's not very easy yeah. to beat five ten online. No, no, not at all. This is why I never played Hold'em. I played, I played all these weird games. <laughs> well, that was kind of smart, actually. If you can, yeah. cru- it's easier to crush a niche market than it is to crush like yeah, the big triple one. draw. There was there was points where there was just so many people, so many bad players would sit down. Back when this was when full tilt, had, but just before full tilt went down forever. The games, the triple draw games on Full Tilt were amazing. Like people would just sit down and heads up, lose like lose like four k up, one hundred, two hundred, just leave like in like just misplaying every hand. And it's su- you can have such a big edge in that game. Heads up, triple draw. It's like amazing really? how big the edge can be. Yeah, that's so funny. I had I would have never imagined. I mean, uh, when I was playing, it was quite competitive. I never really like grinded total donks and triple draw yeah. too much but who yeah. have thought that's actually kind of funny it was great <laughs> yeah it was only really two one or two players completely destroyed me but i could beat most players <laughs> eventually i got too too big-headed and took on some players who were just like better than me <laughs> yeah well it's part of the like part of the learning curve in some kind of way yeah. i think part, um, part of being in your early 20s just having a massive dance wings of your life i want to talk a little bit about this uh this your dating experience uh your experience oh, yeah. with online dating also that seemed to be that was an entertaining episode for me i've had a very interesting uh dating experience myself but it sounds like you have as well you had a actually almost like a dream experience it sounded like uh which one the one well oh you have multiple dream experiences uh, oh no i just yeah I was thinking of the oh, one you where to... you you were talking about how there's this ridiculous show where people are falling in love with each other. We're supposed to fall oh, in love is blind. Yes, and the words they were saying obviously were not illustrating that. But ironically, you and your uh, I don't My know if it was now, yeah. your oh you're still with her. Okay, yeah, we've been together two and two and a half years now. Oh, that's like um, that's a major accomplishment these days. Yeah. Yeah, I think the pandemic actually helped a lot with that because it just kind of dating I think is really hard in London in general because I think people are very time poor uh in London and it's really hard to schedule stuff like through online dating and you just never really get the momentum in, in online dating with people to like see each other enough and yeah, I I think like I really I really didn't have that nice a time of doing online dating before the pandemic. But then the pandemic happened and I ultimately I, I got quite lucky. I met someone who I'm very compatible with and we just we just had all the time to just kind of get to know each other. And that that was quite nice to just not have really the distractions of like all the other stuff. Uh, I don't I think a lot of people did not have a whole lot of fun online dating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless uh 
Yeah, yeah. There's quite a bit. There's been quite a lot of studies with that one. But uh, it's it's sweet yeah. that you were able to find someone you're connecting connected with enough to like talk for six hours a day. Yeah, um, yeah. It was great timing, really, because I just the first ten weeks of lockdown were just very novel because I was mainly having dates with my partner. Like I was just mainly talking to my partner and getting to know her. So like, I didn't really feel what other people were feeling in the first 10 weeks of like being stuck at home. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm happy for you. Um, Thanks. <laughs> That's so thought... sincere. <laughs> no, I am. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, um, what was I going to say? I, are you seeing anyone? Are you single? Uh, you know, on the uh, on Facebook, there used to be an option to saying it's complicated. Or oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's a fair way to put it. it dating's yeah. really complicated for me because I'm traveling a lot. Yes, uh, I find that really complicates things, and things have become kind of strange lately, uh, especially with online dating and the whole market i would have thought you would have taken a lot of shots at the whole online dating situation just because uh it is kind of ridiculous frankly Mm. um it just doesn't really work at all uh it actually the Mm. irony is that it does the opposite of work is the funny thing um well explain that what do you what what do you think is the big negative effect of it well there's something in psychology called um something like i think it's called decision the something like the decision paradox or now uh yeah it's basically where now that you have so many options you can't really decide it becomes harder to decide Mm. um that's true yeah that's very true it also seems like you know another option's right around the corner uh and so and not only that but another thing that's happened is it's made it seem that you know uh well related to the whole another options right right around the corner uh it you know there, it looks like really attractive options are super available, um, yeah. and it seems like that's the norm if done a certain way. This is what Instagram has done and what online dating has done, but actually, it's a bit of a facade, and it's really like right. these, these uh, companies trying to like uh, basically uh, uh, give you gratification in a quicker time and get your yeah. hopes up kind of thing and kind of milk you in the long run. It depends on who it's for, actually, if it's the strategy yeah. they use for men and women is different. But basically, it makes everyone's standards rise and it also right, makes it yeah. harder for people to choose. It's uh, yeah. And it makes online dating an absolute pain in the ass for most people. That sounds pretty spot on, yeah. That sounds yeah. pretty spot on. Yeah, and that's, uh, I also think, I found it funny that you said dating's really tough in London. I would think... Um, I mean, it's kind of the same idea, right? Uh, to yeah. a degree, like there's a ton of people in London. You would think, yeah. like, oh, this would make yeah. it easier to meet someone, but yeah, yeah, there's like six million people, ten million people in the in the area. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's really yeah, it is, it is, it it, it definitely was just uh, not at all appealing to me going on these dates with people and. You'd, you'd spend, like, because of, like, transport, you'd spend, like, half an hour to an hour get there. You'd have, like, conversation for an hour. And then after that, you'd, you'd just go home. You probably... You wouldn't really feel the need to go meet them again. But who knows? Maybe the second date would have been better. Who knows? But, yeah. Yeah, that part... I mean, we put it like that. It doesn't sound ideal. Uh, but, yeah. 
I thought it was a hilarious. Um, yeah, I just thought it was like a treasure trove of of jokes to be made. But what do I know? Uh, yeah, yeah, t- uh, totally. I, I I kind of want to uh, expand that on kind of dating and stuff more in the future. Although, I, yeah, we'll, we'll see because that was a half hour episode. I, th- I assume it's the half hour episode that you listen to, and potentially there's a full show all about dating. Um, depends whether I want to go down that avenue. Or, Go down a different different theme and do something different. Who knows? Oh, okay. Do you have any like explicit plans for the future uh, with poker at all? With uh, comedy, do you have any things you want to talk about? Other projects that you've got coming up? Uh, nothing in the pipeline at the moment. I'm kind of after doing my radio series. I kind of was was not rushing to come up with another project uh the little things in the pipeline but the 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 uh they just don't really materialize quickly enough in the UK when you're when you're pitching for like radio and TV it's it's quite a laborious process and ultimately it could take years to get a project off the ground and that is quite frustrating to me and i wish i kind of just did I had my own self-sustaining kind of content online so, like which i could just put out like every few every week or so every few days and have a patron and do stuff like that so maybe i'll look into finally starting something like that but who knows oh okay um well i didn't mean um explicit projects necessarily but like rough plans for the future rough plans i think i uh don't know actually don't know i think i'm just focusing a bit on poker trying to get back into it more and more uh play enough to to uh to like fund everything else and not worry the 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 great thing about poker it gives me the option to say no to a lot of things that pay money but are not appealing <laughs> like gigs where you have to travel two hours on the train and you do a gig to the audience i described earlier who hate my comedy <laughs> but oh. ultimately they do pay all, all right anyway stuff oh. like that and maybe it maybe it works doing both a little bit not sure yeah exactly yeah, um, I always used to struggle with that. I always used to struggle and balance both. Um, I always had a thing where if I have like a bad day at poker, I just wouldn't be able to like get into the mindset of comedy. Or even if I had a really good day at poker, it would it would just really hard to like care about comedy and vice versa. But I'm working on ways to balance the two. They're quite different parts of your brain, I think. So that part is a challenge. I guess I guess I could see how that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, well, I know that doing improv is very different from yeah from poker in many ways. I like purposely tried to make jokes just to uh, keep myself. I mean, I had the issue of being too logical a lot of the time, and uh, I had to do a lot of I had to do some improv and it like actually shook things up a little. Uh, that's good that's good i think i really do recommend improv to everyone like i think it's like now nowadays a lot of improv schools in the uk even there weren't that many before but they've kind of brought them over from from the u.s to kind of and like people who are like in the same i i did a class once and most people there were like in the same kind of dull like kind of finance accountancy kind of jobs and they just they just loved the escape they just loved doing something so different and like the idea of doing improv was just so magical to them because their lives were mostly just doing accounting or whatever it is definitely you know let's throw a shout out to improv because it is really like i took a lot of routes towards self-improvement myself 
And yeah. improv was probably one of the ones that was the the biggest Im- positive impact hmm. uh, That's interesting. that I could think of. It wasn't very expensive. It was like I did one that was yeah. like $30 a session or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I learned a lot. I learned how to make – you can actually get better at puns. I didn't know that. You can you – can, uh, hmm. Yeah, the um, games that pun- they, you can play. Better yeah. fundamentals. Uh, <laughs> and uh, There we go. Um, well – uh, not quite your quality, but whatever. Uh, and it's yeah, like, it's, it's also good. like a good experiment in these, uh, this idea of like working together and that kind of thing. Yes. So it is yes. really good route for self-improvement. Um, well, we don't have too much more time here. I uh, wanted so, to also talk briefly. Uh, well, we can talk about whatever you want. I, I want, there was one comment I liked in one of your skits is that uh, you said that you believe, you know, there's someone out there for everyone and there's hope for everyone to find someone uh, that really loves them and that kind of thing. Uh, I thought that was sweet. I didn't. Uh, uh, it's just sweet that you were such a romantic. Yeah, I, I am ultimately, even though I kind of hate humanity, I'm, I'm still sort of an optimist <laughs> about all people in a way. Not really, because I, I yeah, I ultimately think humanity is 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 over. But but I'm still sort of an optimist about that kind of thing. That like ultimately, people have the potential to be loved, to love, and that's what everyone kind of should aim for. Uh, and that's what a lot of people lack, really, and that's why they behave in certain ways. I always do pin it down to they just want to be loved, and they can't because of all these societal things or or things they've been taught that are wrong or like yeah various different things but ultimately a lot of people and yeah that i was talking about the incel movement and stuff like that and mm-hmm. and yeah ultimately i think people do i could just yeah because i think all humans have the capacity f- for love and to be loved and i think i think that's something that they should strive for more than everything that they're doing uh uh, a couple of questions. Um, yes. Yes. Well, first of all, is this a skit in the, some kind of future? Or is this a skit or two, or half a skit? Or no, I was game? just speaking from the heart. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I, uh, I, I, uh, I am kind of similar in that I, uh, I'm idealistic, and I think that you know there's good in everyone, and it's taught actually in spirituality that there yes. is. Um, and uh, I'm hopeful that there's, uh, you know, the true love wins in the end. Um, it yes. doesn't look very, uh, it doesn't look very good. <laughs> no, look no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It it really doesn't. But uh, especially because these days there's a very big gap between the guys that are, there's, typically a big gap between the guys who are successful and the guys who are not. So I actually feel sorry for them because, or the guys who feel like they have no hope because I mean, uh, I actually, I'll, I'll reveal something is that I was a virgin until 20 years old. I was a bit behind the curve myself and I I wasn't getting a whole lot of action. I had my heart broken when I was like 22 and I was like, all right, I got to work on this. Um, and, uh, so like I've seen a bit of that kind of pain, um, yeah. and, uh, I hope somehow there's some kind of solution because it kind of looks like the shift between men and women is getting wider and wider. Uh, right, yeah. and it does kind of seem like we're all screwed as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, I guess it does seem that, but then again, like, 
No, it does seem that. <laughs> I was going to say like <laughs> a, a caveat to that, but yeah, there's a lot of problem with 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 society, and it. Well, I guess like some of it is is what you see on social media. Maybe that isn't actually reflective of what is going on across the board. And that's that's maybe the caveat is that actually maybe our perceptions of it are not as bad. Maybe it's not as bad as things seem. Maybe they're worse. Maybe they're worse. Maybe they are much worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I think they're pretty bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's I've heard all sorts of things, so who knows? Um, yeah. Maybe it's a big part of it's it's part of like the uh, the tension before the the twist. Maybe that's what right. Yeah, yeah, must be, must be. We're, we're, if that's coming, if that's coming, you know. Well, that's the big if. Um, any other thoughts before you have to go? Any more conjectures about uh, humanity being doomed you'd like to share or uh, positive sentiments uh, for the viewers? Or um, I really like when you talk about self-improvement because I, I think that's a big thing for me, self-improvement and the kind of self-awareness that comes with it and really questioning like your own your own flaws, your own values, everything, all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's something I, I guess I, I pass on as to the viewers is that, yeah, adopt that vibe of like kind of constantly, I've always thought as long as you're self-improving, that's, that gives you a reason to keep going. Like that's, that's the main thing you should focus on. And I think that will probably help all the people out there who, who are kind of stuck. It's just like, it's all about self-improvement really. Okay, I like that idea. Uh, is there anything specific within that that other people can uh, take from that and say, okay, I'm going to prove myself in this kind of way? Or anything actually that was um, a way that you managed to improve yourself? I mean, how do you explain this? Probably, I think the biggest thing is accepting failure and failure within yourself and also like external failure, but being able to go, actually, I'm bad at this. I'm bad at this. I'm bad at this. And actually being honest to yourself, because I think people are very averse to actually admitting that and being truthful about that to themselves and to others, but actually being like, okay, this is a thing that I actually do need to really improve on. And identifying them one by one, I think that was probably like, yeah, where I, where I benefited. I think people, yeah, people just don't, don't really think that about themselves and are just so against thinking that because we're taught like, you're not allowed to fail. You're not allowed to be bad at these things. Yeah, that's still quite well, general, but that's still quite general. But that's that's something it, that I often think. Okay, so self acceptance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um. Well, let's hope uh, people take that to heart. And uh, yeah, it's um. Have you got any last words before we cut it off? Uh, just be nice to other people on a micro level. That's all you can do. That's my, that's my last words to, to anyone listening. Okay, guys, kindness. 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 And, uh, it's been great having you on here, Ken Chang. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Bye.